0: keeps us stuck is that we think, oh, I'm wired this way, or I have to rewire. And it's too on off rather than flows, Mm. right? It's not um, freeway from A to B. It's the way you see a school of birds flow. Uh They roll over each other, aurora borealis. That's how thoughts and that's how feelings float through the ether of our minds. When you start to understand it like that, then you know every day, something new is possible. Is it easy? No. But it's possible. Wow. So that's, the, that's the real way to think of your brain, mind, and behavior, that it's completely plastic in the sense that you're uh, never the same person just from a moment ago since we've met. Mm. That's a good introduction to this. I'm curious
1: because you, you do surgeries on a weekly basis mm-hmm. where you
0: open the skull. Mostly the top of the skull? Well, all different areas. It's like ice fishing. So we make holes wherever we need to get. We make the hole underneath it so we can get there.
1: So it may not be a full top of the skull. No, That's in Hannibal Lecter's movie. So you're taking
0: little little holes. The slickest brain surgeons, meaning who can do it the best, make the smallest hole Uh, to get right where you need to, the smallest incision. And, and do the most uh you know the least amount of uh damage i guess to the whole skull have you ever had to take off the, the top the whole top no but in trauma after boxing sports car accidents sometimes we take off two big pancake sizes on the left and right really? so when the brain is throbbing the, yeah you take the lid off Really? but you don't take the whole thing off because you got a giant vein coming down the middle so that's you can't do the mohawk part You take two strips. sides. Yeah. So if you look at, when I traveled through South America, you look at the trepanation of the holes in the skulls, they're always on the side. You can't make holes in the middle and still live. Really? Giant veins splitting the two hemispheres. Oh, so that's just in the movies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's, uh, (laughs) the silence of the lab. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But that's a good question though, that there's a, it's a targeted approach. Interesting. Okay. You want the patient to feel it the least. Right, Right. Of course.
1: What did you, what's been one of the biggest realizations from studying neuroscience, but also studying the brain and actually opening up pieces of the skull, looking in there, surgically doing things yeah. to optimize it. What was one of the big aha moment for you of studying both areas, where you're like, wow, there's something that I didn't think was possible, that is actually possible for human
0: beings to do. Yeah. Is it's there quite, anything? Yeah, a really good question. It ties back to your first question about what holds us back. So the thing that shocked me was, that we could actually remove parts of the brain and people would go home a week later. I'm not saying there isn't some subtle neuropsychiatric issue, but for example, I had a guy come in, he's a framer, and you know, they have the the pneumatic, you know, it's not hammer and nails as many people conceive it to be, but and a lot of times when it recoils back, they'll pop a nail through their orbit or nose into their frontal lobe. This happened. And they drive in. With a nail in their yeah. brain, right? So that's the first Come thing I was like, "Wait, it's, no, no, totally." I got pictures on my phone that we're not going to show anybody. But you can have a penetrating injury to certain parts of the brain, of the brain, and you drive in. Holy cow. So, so that's the first thing I realized was so there isn't a a region in the brain for creativity. There isn't a region in the brain for this. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I had to realize was, no, this thing is working in in a, in a as an environment. As an ocean filled with like a kelp forest and jellyfish. So if you drop something into the ocean, you're not gonna disrupt it. There's no spot for something. And that ties back to what you know what I want people to walk away with is that you have to think of your thoughts and feelings and the working of your flesh inside your skull as a as a garden, as an ecosystem. Just because you have one weed or one spike doesn't mean the harmony is disrupted. So wow. for example, one frontal lobe we can surgically remove if needed after trauma or tumor and patients function. They drive, they talk on the phone. Again, you don't want this. Uh, one occipital lobe doesn't leave you blind. It's that uh, people think oh, occipital lobe blindness, no. If I take out a tumor from the right occipital lobe, I just can't trust my left rear view mirror when I drive. It's a f- It's a field cut. Your world goes from this to this. So I, when, I, when I first started seeing that, because I assumed you hit any part of the brain, it's your
1: dust. Because people will say like, the left side of the brain is for this, and the right side of the brain is for this, and no. I use more of the right side of my brain, no. and that's why I'm creative or whatever it is, or I'm more analytical no. because no. I use this side of the brain, or my, my fear-based side of the yeah. brain is, is heightened. So no. So no. you're saying if one no. part of the brain is under attack, tumor, trauma, a, a nail, whatever mm-hmm. it is, something happens to that part of the brain. It may not hold you back from your creativity or
0: your critical
1: thinking, potentially. No,
0: no. It, because the rest of your brain can compensate. Now, mm-hmm. let me give you. Now, that's not true for the entire brain. So, let me just go backwards a little bit. The those were the aha moments I had. I mean, I've been, I've seen bowels. I take care of patients. AIDS was, you know, going crazy in the '80s. I've seen a lot. The first time I saw somebody do brain surgery, I was like, is that possible? First, like, can you even remove the skull? And they're like, yeah. And then they were, you know, can you remove that tissue to get to the tumor? They're like, yeah. You just have to understand how the whole thing works globally in harmony. Now, the way I think of the brain is like a mushroom. And so you've got the canopy. And all the magic and the thoughts spark from the top, the surface. Mm-hmm. And then they send things down to the stalk, which comes, you know, deep to your mouth and comes out of the bottom of your skull and, and then turns in your spinal cord. Wow. So if when I want to move my left hand, my right brain says, move your left hand, it sends down signals that come into my armpit, they come into this nerve. That's and That's crazy. what happens, right? Now, so what the, if that, what the, the lower those? parts, they, there is something. You hit that, you lose something. Something down here. The reptilian brain, the spinal cord, every millimeter yeah. does something because it's a lot yeah. of... Think of it as cables, even though it's not wires, but there are a lot of tracks, T-R-A-C-T-S. There are a lot of tracks that are communicating the things that the canopy Mm -hmm. thought of. And in that area, if there's a nail injury, you do get a certain deficit. But in your thinking, your feeling, your emotions, your love, your fear, it's not a fear spot or a love spot. It's, It's sort of, again, the aurora borealis and the worlds of... Of, of a school of birds wow. just flowing in, in different energy, right? Or so a fish, a, a school yeah, of fish or something. Yeah, fish, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's fascinating. So that, that's, I, I want people to walk away with, okay, so what that leaves people with is the fear I have is real, but it's not fixed. It's not wired. It's not permanent. And through effort, through exposure therapy, through whatever it is, whatever your process is, that... That, that school of fish can flow in a different way. That's, to me, that's that's infinitely powerful. That wow. we are new every day. That also may, gives us the responsibility to hold onto our positive attributes. That right. we can spiral away every day, and we can, we can spiral downward, and we can spiral upward any day.
1: Wow. And so, have you studied brains where someone came in at one point, and then maybe a year or five years later, you saw them again, and mm. you were able to look inside their brain? Another good question. And what did you see different? Um, with the brain. I wonder, can we enhance our brain by the way we think and our behaviors and our actions and our and the way we love ourselves and mm. treat ourselves internally and emotionally?
0: Um, or can we hurt our brain by doing the opposite? Uh, that's, a, that's a profound question. So again, let me start with a, a very sort of um, dramatic example to set the point to the, the yes. larger takeaway. <clears throat> on occasion, for epilepsy that shuts down kids, we have to actually take away half of the brain. It's called a hemi, you know, hemisrectomy. You have to take out half we the remove, brain. We remove, you got everybody can Google it. This is not, it's not like it's something we invented to, today. It's been going on for decades, yet, because a lot of the people in this space are, are not actual brain surgeons, we're not getting a lot of those stories from there, but there's a tremendous story there that when there's a medical need and the parents ask for it and it helps the child, we can actually make a big incision and take away a frontal lobe, a prior lobe, an occipital lobe that's sparking um, seizures. And when they wake up, that left side doesn't work. Mm. Three years later, when you see them, no they're at, yeah. this this is not even sci-fi. They can move, they can function fully yeah. again. So the remaining hemisphere can reorganize. Huh. The linebacker can also be the defensive end, sure. can also be sometimes even on offense. There are different roles those neurons really? can play. Yeah. So, the, and how do we know that? Because re- you removed half the brain and it's still functioning. And we took a picture three years later and that half the brain was still gone. Still gone? Yeah, it didn't sprout back. It's not like a liver where we cut half of it off and the mom grows some back, you take a chunk of it and you put it in the kid. So that part is still missing. Yet that function has returned. That's crazy. So that's what I mean about different players on the team can cover for each other. So I want people to know that that that's true plasticity and it's not rewiring, it's not regrowing. It's actually whatever you have is repurposed. And how do they do that? Well, through the electrical flows of the mind, there's um, wow. That's, that's so not the
1: electrical flows of the brain, right? The electrical flows of the,
0: the mind. Mind. So what? What is people are like? Well, okay. Now he's gone. <laughs> now he's 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 got he's selling crystals in Malibu. No, 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 no. Stay with me. Um, when you walk well, You played right And we uh-huh. talked about that briefly I didn't know that about you It's yes. fascinating I think there are a lot of parallels With surgeons and uh, athletes mm-hmm. I think surgeons Want to be athletes When, when <laughs> yeah. they became surgeons Yes The um, When you walk up to a stadium There's every single You know So I was at uh, SoFi That's it's awesome. incredible no, I've not been there It's unbelievable I don't think people understand It's, it's on- the world's largest pit You come in Near the top Because of the LAX yes. flight path And I You come in And, and you look down Then dug deep, deep. Oh. I know it's, it's amazing it's good to be in my hometown yeah when you walk up and you hear you, you see well, you see the pieces 70,000 fans think of those as neurons we have 100 million uh, the little magical sparks from the jellyfish that I described because they look like that they're not squares so you can talk you can people are talking and moving that's how people conceive or conceptualize the brain um, but what happens when they they roar together That's what I mean about the electricity. There's an energy. Right. There's an energy. You feel it. It's an epiphenomenon. Okay. Now now let's build an engine. The parts are there. You fire it up. And there's a hum, right? That's more than just the engine and the pistons. Uh, A symphony. You've got the musicians. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm less familiar with this. But they create something bigger. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean about the mind. That it's not a... It's not a forward backward electricity zinging around on wires. It's that thing that happens when you have a hundred billion um, throbbing, growing, branching neurons and it's electricity based. You can put a sticker on and light a, a small light bulb. Really? Yeah. And so that's how we measure for this mean, report? Oh yeah. But this is but this is decades old. This yes, isn't like yes. so what I want people to say is like understand is when we remove the right hemisphere and the patient comes back three years later, kids, and they can function again, no new wire sprouted. Nothing was spliced. What remained created a new roar, created a new hum, created, you know, recovered the function. So it's wow. not always easy for people to understand, but that's the truth. And sure. that's our current understanding of how the brain leads to the mind. Wow. Yeah.
1: Can the brain function
0: without the mind? If you get knocked down a ring, you're not thinking. Right. And if we put electrodes, there's and electricity, but that stalk, remember I mentioned the mushroom, yeah. that can still keep you breathing and protect your airway and keep your heart still going. So the reptilian areas of the brain, the ones that we share with many animals... Will function. Will function without a mind. Without that... Well, if you equate so mind with consciousness, thought, love, emotion. Wow. So so it's like so the Babushka dolls where you have...
1: So it can function, Stop. but it's not it's not uh, it's it's baseline function. Yeah, it's not, keeping you on breathing high-level
0: cognitive function that we So the mind
1: play. is really
0: what's keeping everything activated. That's what yeah. That's in concert. Right. Right. The mind can think down the heart rate that the reptilian brain right. keeps going if you get knocked out. So they're they're integrated. Uh, and so you put it nicely, the mind can keep things going. Um, but if you have brain death, then there's no mind. There's no electricity. The By brain... Brain death, so unfortunately... What's that mean? Meaning, uh, sometimes the heart, the body's alive, but the brain has died. How, how does that happen? Well, we'll, we'll get into some, some... I think it's important for people to understand. So, car accidents, uh-huh. b- brain swelling, those 100 billion neurons... They burst from smashing into each other. Mm. We, we put a, a catheter in the thigh, and we, we squirt dye, and we see there's no blood going into the skull. Oh. It's a, it's a dark vault. So if your brain has- swelling, If it's yeah. so much
1: swelling, the blood can't flow. There's so much inflammation that right. it's hard for blood to flow. So instead of a heart
0: attack, you've had a complete brain attack. Can you recover- And re- for a day- no, 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 You the, can't recover from this. Not even miracles. When you it's 100.00 out, there's never anything left, but for a for a day, the since the heart nerves have their own pulse. Yes, they're pumping. They, they, when we can put machines and things and to keep people going for a day or so, that's where the world of organ transplantation comes in. So a lot of a lot of guys or a lot of people who uh, ride motorcycles, they have that kind of injury, and their organ, their bodily organs are healthy, and they they often are you know the ones that provide transplants for other other people Their brain is, is brain not functioning death, body is alive Really? So in that setting there's no mind there's no electricity coming out so when you're asking Got it about mind and brain um and so that's a fascinating area for people to know those examples to understand themselves better mm-hmm. right and it comes back to that we are electrical currents we're not wires we're not Switches. We're not gears. Spots. We're not gears. Electrical currents. Yeah, they flow. So the, what is that? So, like, uh, you go to a lake and you drop a big, you jump in there. Whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a wave that moves through the lake, uh-huh. but the water molecules didn't ride with it, right? Right. Right. So that's the the hum, the symphony, uh-huh. the roar, the electrical global waves that are pulsating through our brains. And when people say they're in the zone, or they're in a flow state, or they're in a meditative state, that, that global energy flow, those waves, they're different. They can be measured and categorized. Really? Right? Yeah. So what does, that,
1: what does that mean when someone's in a flow state in terms of the mind-brain connection? What is happening? Yeah. Are these 100 billion jellyfish, like, no. in symphony? They're humming at a high level? Cool. They're working in concert? Let me jump in right
0: there. Actually, that's perfect. Actually... You would think that if somebody's about to hit a game-winning shot, their best performance is when they're at a high level, meaning wild, frenetic. Actually, you no. Know, right. When they're super calm. Somewhere in between. Okay. So, so not asleep. Right. But not, hey, I'm on my third espresso just taking in stuff in the okay. morning. Focused, Focused, but relaxed. And there is a measured state for that. And it usually has to do with sort of medium brain waves. That's something I'm writing about right now. and mm. And whether you meditate or you're under that, the two minute drill in football, or you're a ballerina and you have that, that perfect, you know, dance routine coming up or maneuver, um, you are actually disengaging some of the things that would get in the way of you releasing a performance. So you're not thinking the performance, you're getting out of the way. You're, you're being, you're just, yeah. And, and that has a different, measurable, electrical flow state, you know? And it's not revved up.
1: It's not hyperactive. It's
0: somewhere in between. Above calm, but calm.
1: <laughs> it's not fifth gear. It's not idle.
0: Yeah. They're at their best. And they've seen that in athletes and different things.
1: What's the, the fastest way for a human
0: being to get into a flow state? Uh, for that, in my opinion, there are no shortcuts. Because what, what it takes is a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. And what it takes is a, a lot of learning. And then when you're performing... And being confident in your abilities and yeah. Yeah, but it's executing, you know, I don't think you can get into, I might be wrong, but when I see my kids, I don't think you can get into a flow state just rolling through Instagram. Right. It's actually delivering a skill you've trained for. Mm. So you have a craft that you've trained for and you're performing it at a high level. So you see race car drivers talking about stuff like that. So it is sort of your craft perform just at the edge of your comfort level Mm. like video games if they're too hard kids will check out If they're too easy they'll check out so something about it tends to be a physical maneuver i always find that fascinating where Mm um you know you could think i guess you could think yourself into one of those states but you see it a lot with people who do a a physical task that's challenging rewarding something they're engaged in and at the level of their performance Mm -hmm. um Girl, don't do it. It's not worth it. I'm not going to do it, girl. I'm just thinking about it. I'm not going to do it. I did it. business everything brings us isn't. Eating the food you love. No compromises. Invisalign. Um, you know, it's a two-minute drill at the end of a football yeah, of game. Of course, Probably. yeah. Go time, man. Yeah. Did you play football? No, I love sports, though, because yeah. I think there are a lot of parallels. Yeah, them. of course. Uh, the challenge
1: thing is, I don't know if I... I don't have kids, but I don't know if I'd let my kids play football mm. after... All the head trauma that I took. I mean, every day we were just taught back in the late 90s to just lead with the head, hit with the head. Now it's illegal. You can't hit the
0: head. Monday Night Football used to open up with two helmets.
1: Crashing, yeah.
0: (laughs) I remember that. And
1: the trauma that, you know, I feel like I've had to heal for the last 15, 18 years now. I don't know if it's worth it. I think, I guess if you're not hitting the head anymore, it's different, but there's still going to be clashing. I mean,
0: I got a couple of thoughts about that. I mean, one thing that I didn't like about it was I think they knew this was bad for us yeah. and they kept trying to hide it from us. So, mm, of sig- course. Hey, just tell us it's bad. Just tell us yeah. smoking's bad. We know boxing's bad. Nobody goes into boxing and says, I don't know. Yeah. But you, you held information uh, that... You know, traumatic yeah. head and dream in football was sort of messing people up. Yeah. That's, that's one of my things with it. On the other side, is if it, if it's something you love and it's an opportunity for you to advance in your life, mm-hmm. who am I to say no? As long as the risks are made aware. Like, yeah. hey, uh, if you banged your knee against the wall 30 times a day for 10 years, <laughs> your knee's going to be jacked up. Yeah. It's no different for your brain. Got it. Obviously I still want to play. Um, that's, you know what I mean? It's more about course. that to me, not we all live in different. Yes. Worlds safety and yeah. risk and... What's, what's, um... My sons didn't play, though. Yeah. They could have, but they didn't. They didn't. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. played flag and they all played baseball. Yeah, it's probably
1: safer. So the, the brain has the ability to heal from traumatic, from trauma, the mm-hmm. physical and emotional trauma. Because I feel like the emotional hidden trauma mm-hmm. can be more painful and harder to recover for some. The psychological, emotional trauma than the physical trauma you can... You can see it and you can treat the physical trauma in a sense, but depending on how intense it is, but the emotional, psychological, hidden traumas, I feel like are invisible and people don't think they need to treat it because they don't see a broken arm and say, I need to go to the doctor because my my bone is sticking out. Let me put a splint on
0: it and and heal it up. We're not trained that way. Mm. There is no easy answer. (laughs) Yeah. But what what I will say is that um, trauma. This it's just these are my concepts. They're not. I'm not. Yes. There's therapeutic trauma, and and that, what I mean by that is resetting a bone after it's broken, mm-hmm. the pain of a cancer surgery, but then you know that your cancer's been cut out. Like that. That's good pain. Right. Uh, and we're just talking about physical trauma. Yes. Then there's emotional trauma if, when if people are attacked. That's also intimately connected to emotional trauma, right? So the the people who don't have memory after certain uh, injuries or operations, they never have PTSD, because they don't remember it. Mm. So the emotional context and memories related to trauma, be it emotional, physical, or a combination, requires memory. That's cool, right? I like to think yes. about, like just as a concept, I don't have a solution for, I don't, hey, don't do these three things, you'll be better. Sort of not my approach, because when people did that with me, I was like, how do you know what I'm going through, man? You look at me, you think everything's good. But are you sure? Are you sure I wasn't attacked last night? Are you sure I didn't find out that my patient didn't do well last night? Are you sure I didn't find out a loved one was diagnosed with something? You know, like, I just don't want to put people in the uh, in in boxes. In fact, I want people to know that they are new every day. I, I'm not even the same uh, version of myself I was before the last few years how can I be understood as a, a, a group of people a man or a surgeon you know I just want people to think as, of each other as individuals yes. dynamic that said uh, I never judge people's trauma to be better or worse people are looking or, or stronger or justified uh, they're looking at everybody's gonna have a traumatic event in their life whether it's a car crash or a hearing case, it's unavoidable it's partly because we put ourselves out there. It's partly because the way we approach the world is to be completely um, adaptive, mm-hmm. right? If we're rigid, then there's less chances for trauma, but, but that's a life less well lived. So when you put yourself out there, traumatic experiences are unavoidable. Right. That said, okay. So that said, yeah, you well, get what a bruise, you, say
1: you. Is, what I hear you say is that if we don't have the memory of the traumatic event, we don't have PTSD. We don't have trauma, right. we don't have a trauma yeah. tale.
0: Right, so that that's the thats the concept that people, that I want people to walk away and say, memory is important. Oh, memory is the thing that determines whether the event remains traumatic. Or whether it's painful life. still. For you you. So let's get into so that. So we just need to heal the memory right. of the trauma. is exactly where I'm taking it. Um, very good. The. So memories are not uh, files in a cabinet. And actually- In the we, brain, wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. how is memory
0: categorized? Again, it's, there are some regions that we, if we remove them, you would lose memory, but memory's not only there, it relies on pulling from memories of smell to new, Like for example, smell is very interesting. It's one of the five senses that we can't tamp down with our thinking, so though the perfume or cologne, Smell and memory are intimately intertwined. Uh, and so you're pulling from all different parts of the brain. Again, memory is a certain electrical flow in the brain. Um, but it's not, it's malleable, it's moldable. Just because you have a certain memory today doesn't mean that that experience, good or bad, will remain good or bad. Our pos—our positive uh, vibe right now can be made negative, our negative vibe right now can be made Positive as we look back at our day today. Really. So when you see memory that way, then you then you say, okay, wait a second. Huh. Uh, I was attacked, or I was hurt, or something really traumatized me. And when I think of it, when I smell that smell, when I see that color, I'm uh, I'm traumatized again. I clench I up. I have like up. stress, a fear, yeah. anxiety. Yeah. So the emotional huh. the, the emotional context to a memory is what you can change. You don't wanna you, you don't want dementia, you don't wanna yeah. delete the memory because that's a different problem. Yeah. You don't wanna block it. You want yeah. But you, what you wanna do is change the emotional context attached to that memory. What
1: happens if we you hear this from people a lot who might have been traumatized as, as kids where they forget they kind of block the memory and then they remember. When it resurfaces, it so they It's, still it's raw. Is very raw. Yeah. But they've stuffed it, they've blocked it, they've numbed it, Addicted. addicted it, whatever mm-hmm. you wanna call it driven into addiction but yeah exactly so, see, so what happens when
0: I don't know I, I don't know about the, the kid stuff as much because that, that's a different space yeah. and I don't want to you know I want to stay where I feel real comfortable sure. with what I've been reading and learning so emotional context and memory for adults um, in the right setting with the right person through you know they have their techniques you can actually work through the trauma of the memory and the experience by going to certain therapists who help you get better with that so process the memory yeah just to take take the emotional pain right the emotional trauma and dampen that so you can say for example yeah i was you know i'm just bringing examples from my world Mm -hmm. yeah when i was i was diagnosed with cancer that's traumatic and then you see my my patients. You see them over time through different ways. When they say they say I was you know I was diagnosed with cancer and I did this, it, you, their face is different describing it later than it was immediately after receiving the diagnosis. Mm. So through that, that, that is, that's a real life example, right? I'm not. Yes. It doesn't have to be all the stuff uh, you know related to violence and all that. Sure, because the traumatic experience of a cancer diagnosis and how patients cope with that immediately and then you see them months later years later because i'd be a mess right i'd be like okay this is i wouldn't be able to cope but they surprisingly not some of them most of them cope. they get dressed they come in for their three-month scans which to me would be a a traumatic experience every time is this guy gonna tell me it's back or it's bigger i mean think about like getting that did nothing in your mail or email i gotta go in for this Muse use again, yeah. but somehow they cope. And that's where in, in Life on a Knife's Edge, I learned so much from them, that it's possible to cope with traumatic experiences. I'm not saying you as an individual can, I'm not saying I can. But when you look at a group of cancer patients, and most of them wow. cope, live, move on from very traumatic uh, emotional experiences, as well as physical experience of cancer pain and cancer surgery, right? That's the lesson I want everybody to go through um, in their mind when they're dealing with their own challenge. Wow.
1: What's the biggest lessons you've learned from the cancer patients you've treated on the way they process and handle their journey from first hearing about they have cancer in the brain or tumor or
0: something to recovery. What's the biggest lessons you've learned there? It doesn't all end well. Some some suffer. Um, Many suffer, you know, in their own ways. So it's not this, you know, nobody wishes cancer on somebody else or on, you know. So it's not like, you know, it's not like this thing, like, it's not an opportunity. I don't want to ever present it that way. But those that have coped well, they invariably say, I wish I would have lived my life. The way i am now after a cancer diagnosis oh man like i wish i would have lived my life having seen the finish line relatively because it changes how they live and they're not sad as a generalization like i said some have suffered many have suffered but they they wish that they would have made quality of life a priority throughout life not after the cancer diagnosis Mm. something about seeing the finish line on the horizon makes people go uh I don't like that guy, I'm not gonna see him much. Right. This is something I enjoy. I wanna you know, they get they get they get after it. They get to they get to the business of living in the way they want to deep down inside, but often have been encumbered by the, the weirdness of wow. interpersonal relationships. Society and career and society.
1: Pressure yeah. and everything
0: else. How do, how do you show up in your personal life after seeing all this for the last Couple decades, or I guess that's a heavy question. You know, I can't. I can't say that I've always dealt well with it. The human stories were important, but I was just—I was going for perfection of, right. of the just, craft. You were trying to be a, yeah.
1: a, a precise surgeon, just yeah. trying to remove it and heal it, uh, fix it, yeah. and—and yeah. then—and then you weren't as connected to the human stories. You were just like, let yeah. me.
0: I wouldn't say I was disconnected, but right. the 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 sec the uh, from the fifth to the tenth year, approximately, when the craft became. Uh, occupied less of my uh, my mind because
1: mm-hmm. it was more automatic uh, obviously everyone's specific but right. it's more automatic I was in a rhythm
0: yeah, and um, I actually enjoyed the challenge uh-huh. uh, and that's what you want as a cancer surgeon who's trying to be the best for you and being the best for them that's, craft. that's an interesting intersection they want me to be the best yeah. they want me to have ambition at being the best surgeon right. which means tackling the biggest cancer and my, the people who chose me to perform their surgery have the fewest complications. Biggest mountain, fewest complications. That, that's a personal ambition that aligns with what the cancer patients wanted. So that, that was an interesting thing. Um, you know, it was, it, it drove me. And at the same time, I could see that, uh, since I take care mostly of stage four cancer and there's no stage five. Really? That, Stage five means what? There is no stage five, that means death. Okay, so So stage four is, the word terminal is not fair, but stage four is the most advanced cancer. So all my patients live a few years, let's just say that. But that means, you know, after a while, you know, I was like, I've cared for like over a thousand people and they're no longer alive. Wow. It started to mess with my head, man, and um, because stage four, there's no way to cure it. Is what you're saying? Stage four, by definition, other than in blood cancers, is not curable. So the question is, can we, can we get can out of? Extend years? life? Mm-hmm. Yes. And and quality of life during that time. Oh my That's gosh, what I mean man! About yeah. So after a while, I was like, man, I got a, I got a, I got a drawer full of um, invitations to funerals. Oh my, my gosh! And I just stood back a little bit, and the, I was having some struggles with my own, in my own life. And uh, so, so the answer to your question is for those, for those who are involved in cancer care to, um, to make yourself vulnerable to, to actually uh, sort of in piecemeal go on their difficult journey with them, it can be hurtful. Mm. It was raw. The last five years, the last three years... I've been able to take that and write about it, and see that like I have been fortified by by letting them teach me, and the privilege of them saying, "Come along with me in my difficult times." This airplane must crash, and you ride with us. I, we choose you to ride with us, but you have the parachute at the end. And after well, I was to tell my kids that, man, I just feel like I'm, I'm doing. I'm crashing a lot of planes. And so it went from not noticing it to noticing it and having it mess with me to, wait a second, that might have been the biggest gift of my craft is to learn from the people in their most difficult times and how they remain optimistic wow. in the face of calamity. So I, I'm in a different space about the last couple of years, um, but that, that's probably the best question anybody's asked me in the last couple of years. Wow, I appreciate it. Of course, man. Wow. So
1: how do you personally manage your mind and your brain, health, Mm. knowing that, I mean, is there? Girl, don't do it. It's not worth it. I'm not going to do it, girl. I'm just
0: thinking about it. I'm not going to do it. I did it. Invis is everything braces isn't. Eating the food you love. No compromises. Invisalign.
1: Is there, is there any I guess six survival rates after a few years of any patient that you work on few yeah so maybe it's a it's more of a stage three cancer I guess or
0: it's yeah yeah the earlier a, stages have a cure cure potential yeah so when they come to see me it's usually guy. that it's spread to the brain from a a cancer in the body that's that's broken out.
1: Gotcha, and is there no way to see, to do a surgery on a brain that has less cancer at stage one or two, and and remove it fully? Is that
0: possible? Some, Or is it hard
1: to see that?
0: Yeah, there's two types of brain cancers. One that grow from the flesh of the brain, and they come in different stages, and more commonly are those that spread to the brain. Uh, Jimmy Carson, or uh, uh, excuse me, Jimmy Carter, President uh, is 90-something, and he's got melanoma that's in the brain, but it was, you know, so mm-hmm. it's not always, but for breast cancer or lung cancer that spreads to the brain, it's sort of the uh, the, the, the final manifestation of the cancer spread. Oh, now, but those are heroic stories to me, right? That, oh, man, like that oh, that man. look you gave me, that was me f- five, six, seven, eight years ago. Like, man, this is, yeah, you know. But the last couple of years is man, they made it to the graduation. They made it to, you know, moms are always like, I just want to get to where my kid is out of high school. Uh, There's some- kids there with it? No, moms who uh, have breast cancer oh, in their 40s, they got a kid in oh, 15, 15, oh, 15, 15 year olds in ninth grade, and they're, uh, but so when you see them, it's uh, like I said, it's, I don't, it's not sad at oh, all for me yeah, anymore, right? It's actually how rare of a gift that I can see people at their most value. Oh, oh my god. Right? And it, so now, now it informs me, but back to your original question, there, there was about five years where it was just messing with my mind, you know. How does someone, this is more of a educational question, I
1: guess, for people, how does someone prevent cancer? Mm. You know, and, and where does most of these cancers come from? Is it random people just get it? If they're whatever genetics, mm. is it their environment, their levels of stress, their food intake, mm. is it, you know anxiety that they're dealt with trauma that they're not processing what is the the
0: cause of most cancer their cancers we potentially give ourselves from our bad choices really give me, give me smoking example. okay yeah okay um but not everybody <laughs> smoke gets it right and 20 percent of lung cancer people never smoke really right then when do
1: they get lung cancer problems they're not smoking
0: so but uh, do you remember i was talking about the brain being this garden and stuff yes. like that well our bodies, they're not an interesting garden, in my opinion, you know, but they're, they're a garden, too. Their yeah. skin is shedding off, uh-huh. liver cells grow. So when things grow, they can sprout weeds. So parts of the body that don't ever change, like strangely, heart never gets cancer. You know, so things that don't change don't sprout cancer. It's a byproduct of constantly having cells in our bodies die and regrow and when you do that regrowth pro- process, you're gonna spin off something that doesn't behave.
1: So when, how do you spin off things that are healthy and uh, you know flourishing, the- as opposed to little weeds mm-hmm. here and there? How do you, how do you? Well, you're do doing your both. Best?
0: How do you do your, Oh, so well, phys- I'm talking about physiologically yeah. before we get to the mind. It's, yes. it's an interesting point. Thoughts can be thought of that way too. Uh, the body, when it um is 99 of the time, is doing the right thing. We're, we're both here. But when you do it with a sheer volume of a lifespan and you do it over 7 billion people, you're going to sprout some cancers. So you get cancers in the body, cancers in the brain. Can our thoughts become cancers? That's a provocative... uh, And can our thoughts heal cancer? That's a very provocative thought. I have not seen um, positive thinking. There's no... I'm not saying it's not possible. And I encourage people to do it. But I think positive thinking... Um, meditating, um, optimate, cultivating optimism, all of these things, they do change the global physiology of, of your body. Okay? I think we were Not just to- the brain, but the body. Right. And that in turn can affect what's going on in the brain. Mm. But I don't know if a thought can send an electrical zap to a tumor and hurt the tumor, but a certain way of thinking can make you have a certain physiologic response sure. which there in turn could you know, get in the way of cancer's progression.
1: That's why I mean, I feel like if we're, if we're bringing this down from what I'm hearing you say, there's a garden in our brain. Mm. There's a garden, right? And how... Think of it as a garden. I'm of thinking of it as a garden or a school of fish, you know, dynamic, working in harmony dropping, and yeah, yes. all these different things, right? So if our, if we have a level of thinking that is let's call it positive, let's call it beautiful thinking as, of, as opposed to suffering-based thinking. Beautiful thoughts, joy, gratitude, happiness, peace, appreciation, acknowledgement, self-love and love for others. Let's say those types of thoughts versus the, the opposite, suffering type thoughts. If we have those thoughts on a consistent basis in the mind, would those then in fact penetrate the brain to flourish more, healthy uh to nurture that part of the garden. the the hundred billion jellyfish floating in harmony would they be in more harmony and healthier as opposed to penetrating it with these suffering based thoughts Mm -hmm. and then in return with the brain activated and flowing and not having these breaks and blocks then it's signaling down the body to send a more healthy Mm -hmm. Uh, ecosystem like throughout the body, and then returning the body back to the brain and back to the yeah. mind, and having a more.
0: Let me unpack that for yes. you because I've got that's a enormous question that I think I have a very specific yeah. answer because I think when we we're talking about this earlier, language can be confusing uh-huh. if it's if it's used too casually. But let let's let's take the cancer part out for now. Yes, um, but but yeah, being in a better frame of mind exercising eating right Sleep being calm pain. stressed yeah. all of that changes things physiologically that make your whole body better at fighting cancer mm-hmm. uh that we we agree on that's measured now let's go back to the brain uh as a garden yes so it, can we cultivate uh that part of the garden or can we cultivate a garden that lean towards a positive mind frame. Right? Yes. Cuz if if bombs are falling, even the most optimistic garden will go into right. a threat response. Right. You don't all, you don't only want to be chill. You don't only want to be positive. You want to be aware, you want to be yeah, you want to be flexible, you right. want to be all these things. So let's say there isn't external stress around, yet you're too jacked up. You're too stressed. That's a common ailment of city life, at least here where we have safety. This is really fascinating. It's One of my favorite things that I that I love talking about uh, you remember we talked about the reptilian brain? Uh, you get knocked out and stays, you stay awake. And then we talked about the mushroom canopy. Well, there's another one in the middle called the limbic system, but I call it the emotional brain. The categories are not that simple, but it's got its own little anatomy like if there was a slice down the side of my head, uh-huh. you would actually see the mushroom canopy, and you'd see some unique Star Wars looking structures in the middle, and then you'd see the reptilian brain. Like the stem. Yeah, the stem. The stem is stamp. the reptilian, reptilian right. brain, and in the middle is the limbic
1: system, mm-hmm. and on top is the mushroom.
0: Right, that's the cortical, we, we call it the cortical canopy. We used we use like ecological terms to uh-huh. describe it in journals. Yeah. So the cortical canopy and that emotional brain, the limbic system, They have branches towards each other, Uh measurable. And so when somebody goes from age 16 to being wild to being 18 and more composed, let's say adolescence, the structure of the brain hasn't changed. It weighs the same. It looks the same on MRIs. But the person's totally different. Why? Well, because of the cultivation of thought from the cortical canopy, the mushroom cap, to the emotional brain, as they integrate more, you're able to say, hey, maybe don't run across that freeway, or right, right. maybe wear that seatbelt. So it, 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 it it's learning. It, it's But it's interacting with emotions. At the same time, you don't want to be emotionless. So emotion is making a push back to thought Like no, love is an emotion This pain I'm feeling because mom is sick Is an emotion I don't want to be spock about it Or tamp it down So that cultivation of mm-hmm. thought and emotion Is what is is the, the most lush way to live Because then you're adaptive to stress Like hey, this is actually something dangerous going on Thought is coming Just in Emotion is yeah. going on but at the same time, you have this internal, what they call emotional regulation, like nothing's wrong and you're just freaked out. And that's where those branches, thought, meditation, therapy, counseling, uh, hugging your puppy, it, it creates a better balance between thought and emotion. Mm. And that, that tone, not on off, but thanks for asking this question, I love this. The tone is what life is about. You know, you 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 become a new parent. Let that let that emotion run rampant. Cry. You're about to go see your boss, and you know it's not going to go well. And you're starting to do things that you know is emotion running rampant. Then use thought and breathing exercises. Turn the to, volume down. Just yeah. just set the tone a little different on that, and then go and see your boss or your lover or some conflict situation you're in. That is what we're doing throughout life. And the example of it is adolescence, where it happens most, for most of us automatically, but then we stop, like we're grown-ups. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> that, that tone is something you cultivate through the experiences of life. And then when you get older or when the next trauma comes, mm. you're, you're better braced and positioned for how to cope with this little more thought because I'm running hot on emotion or like man I'm too cold about this right now it is a raw situation I need a safe place to let my emotions run wild right a safe environment yeah that's that's the way I approach uh the intersection of thought and emotion
1: yeah I think uh you said emotional regulation I feel like is for me one of the most powerful skills Mm -hmm. that someone can learn in relationships and career in Driving, you know, on the street with other people around. The emotions
0: are dominant by the way. Yes. Which is great. But, but, but so learning, it's usually emotional regulation, yes. not thought regulation. You're right.
1: But learning how to have emotional regulation is such a powerful
0: skill for each individual. Um, and we're never done because you don't know what's coming. Right. But it's Excellent. it's the it's the it's the tending to the garden. Yes. It's the lifelong cultivation because what's happening if we allow our emotions
1: the limbic part of the brain mm-hmm. is the emotional based mm-hmm. part of the brain thought is the
0: no exact regions but there is the some anatomy right, right. relative to gotcha, yeah. it's the, the, more, the main mm-hmm. focus
1: of the brain obviously if it was taken out it would regulate but um, if the regulation. emotion is if you're always in reaction mode mm-hmm. you see something ah you're in freak out mode you're in scream mode you're in, I'm in I'm mm-hmm. defensive attack mode you're I'm in Someone's hurting me mode. If you're always in that space, what happens to the brain uh, physiology? What what mm. happens to the actual physical aspect of the brain, and how does that affect the body mm. and the mind if your emotions
0: are always running high? Oh, I, I love this question, I'm Happy, because this when I was reading That's about let <laughs> <laughs> No, because Dude. this is this is what this is what this is what can, this is what can empower people uh-huh. is an understanding of. How, how things lean yeah. and how things they can be modified yes. otherwise it's just I mean I can't tell my cancer patients just try not to stress out Right. it's just it's hollow yeah. it's shallow it's rude actually yeah. so I think there's too much of that advice going on what I want to show people is how we're sort of designed our natural inclinations and then you come up with your approach I'm telling you how can my, my, my son got a puppy in the pandemic that man that's my therapy dog. <laughs> I didn't even understand the concept. I hugged that animal. And you brought so much and peace and love. Just what, I'm telling you, my physiology changed. Calm, there's not- oh. Yeah, it just, so everybody's gotta have an individual approach to that. So here's the two things about emotions. There's, uh, we could cut out the thinking, just to put it coarsely. You yes. cut out the thinking brain and you'll still be alive. If you somehow were able to take out that middle part of the brain, there is no life left. There's The consciousness relies on emotions. Things, on emotions. Consciousness relies on I emotions. Think. Yeah, because what, what they, they spark through, right? Remember the branches? Uh-huh. Frontal lobe, deeper, branching, intersecting the global waves of electricity. That's why there's something called deep brain stimulation. So let me riff on this for Go for more. it. So, when well, we want people to not wash their hands 150 times a day or have Tourette's or sometimes depression or sometimes a drive for obesity or certain tremors, we take a little catheter and just the tip isn't covered in, in, in plastic and we put it into the emotional- Come on, not, the limbic brain the limbic brain you stick it down through the top of the mushroom yeah. what do you call it, the cortisol? Cort- cortical canopy yeah cortical oh, canopy pump.
1: you can punch Mush- through that you can punch through that and it doesn't affect yeah,
0: you yeah. guys can look it up d brain stimulus dbs it's around for 40 years yeah yeah See, so you put it through so those drives that uh, like tourette's uh depression CD, we don't tickle the cortical the thought. you're not, not just have, tapping it's the an emotion, it's an emotional
1: drive. oh my gosh so you're sticking it in through the middle of the brain and what happens
0: and then the tip with just a little pulse like the brain's pacemaker and it mm-hmm. changes the electric it's, it's so fast it's not, it's not brand new I understand but it, but it so why would so it can, work We can
1: pulse the, the limbic brain mm-hmm. how long do you do this for five minutes an hour what is this process they, they
0: wear it under their clavicle a, like grandma with a pacemaker you're keeping it all the time yeah it's, you were right here.
1: <laughs> what do what you do? I mean, do you just
0: push it, it, a button when you're freaking out, and it kind of relaxes you. Or? So the waves on that lake. Yeah. If I also jumped in on the other side, uh-huh. when those waves come towards each other, sometimes they negate each other, right? Uh-huh. Similarly, the right electrical pulse can reset the electrical waves in your brain that we were talking about earlier. That's how deep brain stimulation has worked for 40 years.
1: So how do we create deep brain stimulation on our own?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Let me let me answer the first one. I'll yes. get back to that. Deep brain simulation on our own is through paced breathing. Let's get back to that one.
1: Breathing meditation,
0: yeah. and I'll show you I'll show you the anatomy for that. But because mm. uh, you know, as we talked about, I need to I need somebody to explain it to me. I can't yeah. just say do this. Emotional regulation is tricky in two ways. Hot emotions lead to high heart rate, surging blood pressure, lots of things being released. We've already heard about them. So you're running your body in overdrive for no reason, you're wearing yourself out. That makes sense to people, okay? That's a good reason to be physiologically not stressed if you can and you come up with your coping maneuvers. Mm-hmm. What's more interesting is with the intersection of the uh, the frontal lobes, the thinking brain and the emotional brain is that emotions are, they're coming in favored. they're always hot. This, the thinking <laughs> brain has to do more of the work and At some point, if you are not able to cultivate emotional regulation, it becomes a feed-forward thing because the connections start to sever and then you start having this emotional brain that's no longer being tapped down or paced or controlled by the thinking brain. Emotional regulation is the life skill to deal with the trauma coming up, mm-hmm. to, to rev your body down. But if you don't try to cultivate it, you'll actually lose control of it. And as you get older, you'll have more rampant uncontrolled emotions and not not be approaching life the way you want to. So that's the answer about emotional regulation. Do emotions have more power over thoughts or thoughts have more power over emotions? We start off with the. Uh, the emotions are generally on overdrive compared to thought. So thinking through emotion, thinking which emotions have earned the right to be there, is that lifelong process. And people are like, well, "What does that mean?" Well, take adolescence. Mm-hmm. Teenager goes from 15 to 19, very different person. Yeah. And that's all emotional regulation, right? Uh, uh, thought was losing. Teenagers, yeah. I miss it actually. It was a wild time. Yeah. But then thought comes into balance emotion. Your reflection and yeah. thinking. Yeah. So take that thing that you know happens. Take my explanations, if, they, if they're of value to you. And then say, let me, now let me take the wheel of that thing that happened without me actually choosing or driving, right? That maturity happens on its own. And let me take the wheel of that process and try to do it for the rest of my life every nice. year, every moment. And not just say, "Hey, whatever I got at 18, 19 is is who I am." Going back to your first thing, you're new every day. That's so a responsibility to cultivate that emotional regulation through thought and through certain behaviors wow. uh, for our whole life, because you never know what's gonna happen—pandemic, war—and you want, uh, you know, you want to be best braced for that, mm-hmm. and, and not approach that as a 15-year-old. Right? And you want to have
1: more. Awareness and I don't know if you want to call it control, but I think you want to have control of your emotions and not let your emotions control you to do something that.
0: Control the roller coaster,
1: exactly. Trim the sails. So that that the emotions are mostly based in the limbic part of the brain, right? Obviously, it's all connected in certain areas, but if you're talking about an area, and so what's the best way to train the emotional part of the brain, so so that we are in, we have a personal power over it. That you know, yeah, we're in that's control. That there. we that we have.
0: Or, uh, or more. Yeah, it depends can, on the situation. We can turn it up or turn it down and we depending are depending on the depending okay. on the what's going on. Yeah. Stay